Welcome to another edition of your favorite show, my favorite show, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Larry Conley Radio Show. And, of course, today we're actually blessed to have Larry Conley here on time. So, without further ado, let me introduce our fearless leader. You know him. You love him. He's known as the Telly Savalas of the Collinsville mm-hmm. Fire Department. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, your friend and mine is actually my brother, despite the legal battles. But anyway... Ladies and gentlemen, Deputy Chief of Training for Collinsville Fire Department, Larry Conley. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're we'll back for another edition of the Larry Conley Radio Show. That's going to be funny to you. <laughs> the Larry Conley Radio Show. Mm. Because... Uh, I don't know if there are other Larry Connors, but let's uh, mm. uh, uh, keep uh, it moving. Uncle Larry, well, that's my uh, people, you know, who you're talking to, Big Daddy in my college days, and talking with thunder back then too. Mm-hmm. 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 That was just to get through school. That was just yeah. to get through school. Wow. I don't want to go back. I ain't trying to go back. You know, no, so. stay here. Stay here. I'm still here. Stay. I'm still here, but I don't want to break it. Stay here. You got to be careful. But anyway, tonight, um, thank you for joining us for another uh, thing. We've been doing this, David. I think I've been looking back over the archives. It's been about a decade that we've been doing this oh, show. Wow. So we've been okay. doing it. Yeah. And uh, I, wish, I wish they had us doing it live like this so I can see how much um, you know have, have we gotten older looking or, Watch you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see that time <clears throat> so, but uh, we've been doing it and we always have uh, we, we've always had great guests on and we have guests yeah. on here and pick guests mm-hmm. and uh, I'm excited when um, all of our guests come on because I don't, I don't book the ones I'm not excited about just, just in case you think. Mm-hmm. But I, I booked the guest that I'm excited about. And uh, mm-hmm. the night is no exception. Um, uh, we're going to have um, Scott Thompson on, as you can see. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about reviving the mission mindset. Mm-hmm. And I met Scott a couple of, uh, well, I've known about Scott for a while. <laughs> Actually, meeting him was, uh, and, and, and that's what I like about the fire service now. It's like, I've met so many people that I used to just read their stuff and, 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 you know, read their blogs, read their magazine articles, things like this. I was reading stuff before blogs were invented, you know, so it's like, you know, fire engineering magazine and you start reading or, you know, whatever other fire industry magazines and you're reading the stuff. You say, man, this is good stuff. Who is this? Who is this guy? Who is this gal? And, uh, and then when you get into the business and, get past your own firehouse and your own industry and start meeting these people in person. It's really a humbling experience. Uh, another humbling experience too. And uh, so um, I've been, a, a, one of the things I've been busy doing when I come home in the evenings, evaluating the FDIC submit uh, submissions, man, it's hard. It is hard because a lot of great submissions we Great evolving ideals. Um, everybody brought their A game and their submission process. So it was really hard to, you know, make these decisions. Uh, decisions have to be made about who's going to come to the greatest fire department show on earth 
in 2024. But man, it's it's not an easy process at all. But I'm humbled to be able to serve in that capacity. But the reason I was bringing that up too is because some of the stores that I've admired for years, some of those proposals come across my desk. <laughs> and sadistic fireball want to say, eh, eh, you think you're so big and bad? No. But I'm not, <laughs> I wouldn't do that anyway. I'm not going to do that to anyone. Give everybody um, a fair look, a fair shake, because um, that for David and I, um, you know, years ago, and we were forever grateful. And then just to be involved and continue to serve um, what a mentor told me years ago is good, good to serve your fire department, but it's even better to serve the fire service. And when you do things at this level, I don't take it for granted. I don't play with it. The reason it takes me so long to get them all done is because I'm, I read it like novels. I'm enthralled, like, wow, I never thought of Play. I never thought about the class. You know, I don't want to. If, if a person took that much time to um, invest in in submitting, and we encourage people, please submit. Please me. You never know. You got to be in it to win it. Then I just think I owe it to them to be enthralled in what they submitted. What the decision I make about it is going to be a fair, thorough decision, and not just something like. You know, I, I done three, did three yeses. It's time for a no. That's bad. You know, this ain't this ain't no uh, advancement test. Or this ain't this ain't no hazmat test. <laughs> right, right, right. People's careers, you know. So I'm just uh, you know grateful to be in that position. And um, so that's why I'm saying the intrinsic things that you um, get to uh, experience and meet people. But uh, a few years ago, I was in the uh, I think I was in when we was in Pensacola, and Scott Thompson spoke mm. to Pensacola for Agassiz's um, um, <clears throat> uh, conference and um, great conference. Um, learned a lot about Scott down there. And Scott is a little bit of a celebrity, if you all know that. You probably know that. I'll let him get that. Yeah, but that was the year that um, I was down there and I had to cut it short because that's the year we lost Ben Paulson on my crew. And uh, so it put the whole damper to the conference to me because I had to get back to St. Louis as fast as possible to, um, you know, just get back. Just, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to sit through the rest of the conference with, with that on my heart. Uh, but I was glad to be able to see Scott speak before we left. God is very. Um, there, there, there are different personalities in the fire service, and you'll get to know them if you don't already know them. And some people are very rah-rah. Some people are very clinical, and then there are people who kind of got that nice mix of being clinical and rah-rah. And for me personally, those are the people I tend to enjoy. I, I was mm-hmm. talking to Forrest Reader a couple of days ago. He comes to mind that kind of person, very clinical. Very uh, to break systems down, and but the same token, you know, we have a beer with him, happy laugh, and not just seat, you know. So, um, you know, so I like those type of instructors, and, and that's what struck me about Scott listening to him speak. Um, and uh, and then because he got a very clinical way of dealing with things, and then matched that with the passion, and you can tell he studies this stuff. You know, Thank you, very good motivator. And uh, so these are the things I kind of put in my toolbox. I, I, I might use my Scott Thompson today, or I might use my mm-hmm. 
But anyway, let's get started. Um, I know people know you, Scott. I know that. But for my audience, uh, when I bring people on, I kind of like to give them a little background on who we're talking to. Um, and then uh, and then we can just kind of go into this. So, you know, maybe give a brief background. How long you been on the service? What motivated you to become a firefighter? And uh, how long you been doing what you do now? And uh, what, what made you want to just not just be a fire chief, but be a national voice for the fire service? Well, thank you for having me on, Larry, and, and uh, it's been great meeting you and, and our conversations and, and sat in on your and David's class, uh, I think it was at FDIC one of and it, it was great. I've talked about it. We're certainly going to bring you into the colony. Um, you know, you hear it from a lot, but it's all I've ever wanted to do. I actually was born in, in New York, about 40 miles from New York City in Westchester mm -hmm. County, and, you know, um, I'm at the age where... When I would watch TV, there were two things you saw in the news, us coming out of Vietnam and the war years in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that's what being a firefighter was all about. And uh, in my mind, I was going to grow up and go to work for FDNY, and uh, and that was it. Uh, you know, as luck would have it, uh, the good Lord brought us to, to Texas, and, and it was it was great. But um, uh, it's, it's just what I've always wanted to do. So when I got out of high school, my, my dad wanted to be a lawyer and go to Syracuse University, and I said, well, I, you know, I appreciate and respect that, but I want to be a firefighter. So I paid my way through the uh, academy, went to my first fire academy in 1981 and uh, started as a, as a volunteer. I was going to school down at Texas A&M. I got out mm -hmm. and uh, got hired in Plano, Texas in 1986 and was there for about 10 years. But, you know, I always had this vision in my head of, of what I thought the fire service should be like. And we all have that vision. Every one of us has expectations, whatever career we're in. And, you know, Plano was a great place then. It's a great place now, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it was, should be about. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had the opportunity to go to a much larger mm -hmm. department, Arlington, Texas, as their one and only outside training chief. I'm passionate about training. I, you know, Second to going to fires is, you know, I, I love training and, and, and spreading the word and, and helping all of us, you know, think about different things. So I went to work for Arlington for a while and uh, uh, Bill Strickland was the chief there. He just came from uh, L.A. City. And, and uh, so I had to kind of learn the West Coast way of doing things, stayed there for a while. And, you know, God is my witness. I never really wanted to be a fire chief, but I was one of those kind of mouths in the fire service. that was kind of always asking, why are we doing this? You know, this doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. And one of my mentors that we, you know, we all have those people we look up to um, challenge me and said, you know, put up or shut up and <laughs> put yourself in a position to influence. So I got I got offered a fire chief's job in a small uh, East Texas town called Athens, Texas. Probably too young at the time, truth be told. But I thought, hey, how hard can it be? My, my kids were young. So I went down there and, and got a taste of it. And, um, you know, we're kind of like a frontier in the fire service. We all share a common mission, save lives and protect property, but we can't agree on any one way to do that. Not that it's a bad thing, but there's just so many things that, that we don't know about and, and we don't know why we do it. And so um, I got real interested in, in culture and those kind of things. I've always traveled, you know, I would go once or twice a year and I try to find the busiest fire company in the country and I'd go travel. And just just visit, and and I'd study the culture. As a matter of fact, I'm leaving tomorrow to go ride out with Clyde Gordon and Mo Davis in Houston, and uh, mm -hmm. so I still do it because I want to tap into what makes these these fire companies elite. What makes them above average? You know, you were with 
13s there in St. Louis. You had one of those companies. And so I really kind of looked at what made these these companies way above average. And uh, so I, I was in um, I was in Athens. I had the chance to come back to the Metroplex for a department called Lake Cities. I took them from volunteer to career. And I was there for a few years, and I was having coffee with one of my mentors who's right across the lake, and you'll recognize this name, Rick Lasky. Hmm. And uh, his training chief had just retired. And so Rick and I were talking, and uh, I asked if he would consider me as his next training chief, and, and he did. So I went to work for Rick for 10 years. And I say that to kind of say now I had to kind of relearn the fire service again. I had to learn Rick's way of doing things, which he's kind of got that East Coast influence. And I'll tell you, it was a great experience. Working for Rick was was probably one of the best decisions that I've made in my almost 40 years. And so I um, worked for him, and, and he introduced me to so many things. I said, okay, I want to give this this one more shot to see if my vision could become a reality. So the colony is right next door to Louisville. At the time, mm-hmm. nothing was going on in the colony. You went to the colony for one of three things, to buy cigarettes, to buy alcohol, or go to one of their many massage parlors. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, there was a lot of potential. They called it the hole in the donut because we're surrounded by Plano and Frisco and Louisville. We had a lot of available land. So I was there for a few years and Warren Buffett discovered us and Berkshire Hathaway came in and invested in us. And so now we're a thriving city. We, we got a ton of stuff going on and uh, everything is changing. And so it's really been, uh, to me, kind of the ultimate challenge. I mean, we're a suburban department. We're five stations. And uh, we're, we're starting to see our first high rises and mega boxes. And so, um, you know, I've, I've kind of always been a student. I like to say I'm a firefighter with fire chief responsibilities. I, I still mm-hmm. think myself in, in that that aspect. And, and I try to still learn as much as I can. I love training. I uh, went started at FDIC in, in 2002, and, and that was a great experience. And so, um, you know, it's all about influence. You know, leadership is about influence. And, and I just kind of always look for the opportunities to um, to influence uh, to, the, to the best that I could. Not not that I certainly know everything or, or uh, but but I always say if, if I cause you to agree or disagree, that's learning. Right. If, if I can cause you to form an opinion for or against, that's learning. So don't agree with everything I say. Please challenge everything I say. But if you can form your opinion uh, and, and justify that, then, then we've had learning. And, and, you know, when we talk about the mission, that's a big part of it. So I've been in the colony now for 14 years, um, coming up on 40 years in the fire service. I, I, I'm having as much fun as I've ever had other than riding the rigs. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm having more fun than when I was getting up. And But as you get older, you know, your body gets a, a, a little less uh, responsive. And so um hmm. I got a great bunch. I'm so blessed to have the opportunities and the folks that I have working with us. We're doing some really cool things that are unique, not only in Texas, but I think the American Fire Service. And so, you know, I try to learn a little something every day and give something back every day. And, and so far, that's kind of worked. Outstanding. Man, you said Mo, Mo, Mo came up and did a um, did a presentation for the Muddy Rivers Fools. I'm in the Fools organization here in the Muddy Rivers Fools. And um uh, Hmm. Shameless plug, David and I will be speaking at the Fools Convention in Minneapolis mm-hmm. in August. They anyway, say, who are the biggest fools we can get to speak? <laughs> who are the biggest <laughs> fools we can get to speak? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, Mo came out. Don't Mo be acting a fool. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. trying not to. 
But yeah, but I love Mo. I love Clyde. Those guys, man. You talk yeah. about passion. Yes. And uh, so I'm excited to go down and, and see if they're what they say they are. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to see it first. I'm saying, you know what? You you're right about that, Chief. Because you better you better be what you say you are. Because because um, now that you said it, now that I know you can, I'm gonna go down and bother Mo myself for you one day. But I remember I taught uh, a class at uh, I think it was Carl Holmes EDI. Carl down Holmes. in New Orleans. And um, so a guy was there, he was like, you know, impressed with what we were teaching. And he was asking about, you know, people naturally going to ask, or you volunteer the example of like, this is what I deal with in my agency or my firehouse. And, you know, and I used, to, I told him, I said, man, you know, we work in a pretty, you know, depressed neighborhood. It was pretty rough and all that. And, and you know, and people like to, sometimes brag about stuff like that, even though they're in the quote-unquote nice neighborhood because they don't want to be that as firefighters don't fight fires. But you need protection everywhere, whether you do it a lot or whether you do it a little. So they're all family to me. However, I just was revealing what, you know, what, what my workload was. So he said, uh, oh, maybe I should come visit one day. I said, maybe you should. But people say that all the time. Hmm. Nobody really does it. They just say, oh, I'll Come hang out with you one day, and whatever they may not do it. Anyway, he called one day, and just before the Rams had left St. Louis, he mm-hmm. called one day. He said, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm in town." And I said, hey, "Who's town?" I'm a beer for a day before I head back to California, and I wanted to stop by. Are you working today? I said, "Yeah, matter of fact, I am." He was like, "Okay, uh, mind if I stop by?" So I gave him the coordinates to get there, and him and his, his fiance showed up. <laughs> Mm. He got a, is my course safe here? Fiance? <laughs> okay, okay. You know, this is not, you know, but he got he got a full dose of like I wasn't making this stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, I showed him how many runs we had by the time he showed up, and he he was able to visit for about a good hour and a half. We gave him a tour and showed him my makeshift chairs and, and, and stuff that we. Pulled out the alley and sanitized and used his lounge, lounge and stuff, and you know, and all kind of stuff. But it was the culture is what we know, and we it didn't stop us from doing our job as fighting fire just because we didn't have some you know rich suburban budget to deal with. But my point is that if I had advertised that and he had showed up and I was had waterfalls in the front <laughs> front of the firehouse, you know, sitting there with matching slippers, you know that. That, that, that could have been bad for the brand. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you better tell the truth about what you do because mm-hmm. people will come visit you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my body ready for, you know, it's been a while since I turned out, got up in the middle of the night and had to get out in a hurry, but I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm getting mentally ready for it. So I think it's going to be a great uh, 48 hours. Yeah, I'll still get up in the middle of the night now because um, uh, I got to pee. So. <laughs> <laughs> different, different kind of turnout right there. Yeah, that was a turnout. <laughs> you don't want to see that. Uh, you, think the uh, wait, you think they'll wait on me while I, uh, while I take a quick trip? I like that the 9 to 5 job. I could probably sleep through the night, but no. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, so uh, what was the first? Uh, so you wrote a couple of books, right? You know, just just one book. Just one, uh, but you got a, a, 
I know it's probably one book, but you do it definitely have a couple of uh, of uh, things that you talk about that are, yeah. in my opinion, um, really timely and award winning. Um, so the functional firefighter, I know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about um, reviving the mission mindset. I really want to um, get in onto that because I think that's a very timely um, topic to talk about now these days because I think we have always, I used to tell my new guys all the time and I learned how to communicate because the problem was is when you know, quote unquote new people or whatever category you want to put them in which and it was fun to talk about when I really got to thinking about and David and I talk about status assignment all the time and I think that was reducing the status when we kind of put people in these categories because it gives you a preconceived notion you're a Gen X or you're a millennial or whatever. And then you kind of, that's how you deal with them as default. And it's not fair without getting to know them first, especially if they're on your team. And in the fire service, that will last a career, as you know. Yes. They don't yes. give you a second chance very no, often. No, no. So you're right about that. But my point is, is that with the different um, personalities, um, learning styles, learning curves, exposure, you know, I was exposed to tools when I was growing up. They we used to get stuff for Christmas. One of the things I remember one Christmas, you get your little toy tool box and had a hammer in it and some pliers. And it was like, wow, you know, you, you you present that to my granddaughter today. She's going to look at you like you're crazy. Like, uh, what is this? You know, <laughs> is there an app for this? You know, there's no app for certain. Yeah, but my point is that it makes it, it and you can correct me if I'm wrong. To me, it makes it a little more challenging to enforce the mission mindset, or you have to <clears throat> do it early and often, and then do it in a language that maybe each personality understands, so, so everybody can pull in the same direction. Because no matter what we call different generation, <clears throat> no matter what era we living in, at the end of the day, since the beginning of time. There's been fire, and then there's been water that puts out fire. That's a principle you can't get away from. And whether it started with a bucket brigade or whatever in transferring water from the source to the fire, we perfected it. But at the end of the day, even today, we're using apparatus as a you know a, a contraption or whatever you want to call it, a methodology called a fire hose that transfers from the source through the hose to the fire. And I've always got a kick out of being part of that. Like, no matter what we've done technology-wise, we've found fancy ways to do it. But at the end of the day, water has to come through a hose. You got to put it on the fire, and you got to mitigate that. So um, so I don't care what generation you come out of. That don't change. It ain't like, well, old-timer. That's how you generously did it, but they got a new thing to put out fire now. No, they don't. It's water hoses and that whole apparatus. So uh, so does that, to you, make it a little more challenging sometimes when you got different, um, quote-unquote, um, generations that all need to be focused on the mission mindset that's going to be better for the department and better for the community? You know, Larry, you're spot on. And, and I got two boys on a job. I didn't mention that. I got one in Dallas and one in Arlington. And the only advantage they have over any other in that generation is they had an old man who told them, you know, mm-hmm. don't be the first to eat. 
don't sit in the chair facing the TV and when you're not working, be studying. Um, but, you know, it's interesting you say that. <clears throat> I agree with you totally, water on the fire. But we even screw that up now. We're, you know, compressed air and we're all these other things. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like in the last 10 years, that's all changed. We, we, we've kind of, we, I call it mission drift. <clears throat> we made the job more about us than about the people we serve. And again, I got two boys on the job. The most precious things in my life are doing this. Is cancer a real deal? Yes. Is mental health issues a real deal? Yes. But we all signed up for this and we knew going in what the risks were. And there's a whole lot of people. I got five grandbabies and they don't they don't live in my fire district. But I can tell you this. If they host a fire at their house, that fire department's going to be held to my standards and they better be squared away and ready to go. And the brotherhood goes out the window if they're not ready to play ball at the level that I think they should. So I, I talk about mission drift and the mission, but the mission is the one thing that we can all focus on. It's, it's one thing that brings us together. You know, you, you, you both, you and David teach leadership and a few important points about leadership is everybody needs to have a purpose and know what their purpose is and know what their contribution is. And you talk about empowerment and all those things, but to what, what, what is, what is the thing that we're focusing on? And to me, it should be the mission. You know, the military does that, but we're probably the one <clears throat> team occupational team that we don't have a clear way to keep score. You know, you look at athletics, it's, it's going to the big game, whether it's Super Bowl or the World Series. If you're an attorney, it's all about the settlement. If you're a doctor, it's about the quality of life. But we don't have a, a great way of keeping score. So that allows us to interject a lot of emotion-based opinion. You know, well, vertical vent is too dangerous. Well, there's no data to prove that. Well, I just don't like it, so therefore we won't do it. And if I'm not comfortable as a fire chief with fighting fire, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to allow my firefighters to be firefighters. And if we do one thing in the colony, I think that's, that's right is we allow our firefighters to be firefighters and mm. the true firefighters know what that means. Mm. They understand the commitment that takes. Firefighters are brilliant people. They, they will solve a lot of problems if you let them. But we mess that all up. We make it so complicated and so confusing. So my whole purpose of reviving the mission mindset is let's get back to the basics. Let's talk about saving lives and property. We all were hired by a city who created those positions and said hire people to do that. Now, this is the, I told you, the sixth organization that I've worked with. And, and I love firefighters, but I've never had a city manager who hired me say, I want you to put your people first. Never. Now, I need to put my people in high regard because if I take care of them, they're going to go out and take care of the citizens. But at no point ever did, did anybody say, put them first. And part of the research, and you may have heard this, I don't remember if I mentioned it at, at a U of I, but one of the things I did as a research of the book, and I went out and asked our citizens, what do you expect from your fire department? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, they got a very clear expectation. When I have a problem, I want you to show up with with in a red fire truck, and they did say red, with, mm. with three, four, five well-trained professionals. It doesn't matter if they're male or female or what they are to solve my problem. And and if we solve their problem, that's a win. If we overlook it or neglect it, that's a loss. And in our business, it's very hard to go undefeated, right? 
But we're mm-hmm. in the business of, of solving problems. And if you think about it, the greatest investment in any fire department organization is in our fire suppression and fire rescue capabilities. So as fire chief, you know, I'm all about value. None of us would throw our money at a bad investment. You know, we just ordered a $1.7 million tiller truck. When that thing comes in, we better be able to do some pretty incredible stuff with that rig. If we don't get any better, then then we haven't we haven't done our citizens right. So it's all about capabilities and, and maximizing what we can do with what we have to solve the problem. And that all goes back to the mission. You know, probably in, in St. Louis, just like every other fire department in the planet, A shift was different from B shift, was different from C shift. Battalion one did it different than battalion five. That's all fine and good until it comes to delivering service to the customer. If I have a better chance of survival in Battalion 1's district than I do in Battalion 5's district, we got a problem. I, As a fire, I can't justify that. The only thing I can tell that person is, well, you better move to Battalion 1's district, right? <laughs> so, so I'm a huge believer in having a uniform, you know, in a colony as small as we are. Our truck guys ride the truck, our engine guys ride the engine, and they get real good at that stuff. But I feel pretty confident no matter who's on duty or where you live in the colony, you're going to get a consistent level of service. And it all comes back to that mission. But for some reason, we've allowed ourselves to drift from that. And that, that's caused some problems. we got a great divide in American fire service that I've never seen before. Hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's, quite the, that's, that's quite the observation. And, and it's spot on, too, what makes it so bad. Um, there's a lot of things I've seen. Yeah evolved three decades in the fire service and, and, and a lot of things have, have been good stuff i mean stuff that like wow i never thought um we would get these type of revelations as a service and then there's some things that i'm not too happy about um like you said um one of the things that was uh, uh, really appealing to me is that uh kind of walk through and you said i've been telling a few people about it but you said more eloquently than i do about where you got your your mission statement or your mission, how you describe it, because you you kind of did it from the motivation of a police chief who, who did his, and then you redid yours to make sure we were clear about what the mission is where, when you work for Scott Thompson. So I, I love that story if you don't mind sharing that. So, so think about it. We're, we're all at the age where we remember Columbine, right? Remember when the active shooters went into Columbine? Mm-hmm. And the community was not happy with how fire, police, EMS handled that. We, we were slow to respond. Fast forward to um, uh, uh, Florida when they had the, the shooting at, in Parkland, Florida at the Marjorie Hunt Elementary. Mm-hmm. That this is a sworn police officer, and I'm not taking a shot at, at our brothers in blue, but it's reality. He's got a gun on his hip, and he's hiding behind a concrete pillar waiting mm-hmm. on backup. Mm-hmm. Then we go to Baldy, Texas, the same thing. Yep. So our community, our citizens finally got fed up and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're a police officer. If this stuff happens, my expectation is that you put your life on the line, literally and get in there and fix the problem. And that's not an unrealistic expectation if I put myself in that position. And of course we had this, the shooting here in Allen where, where, the, where the officer did what he was supposed to do. So I try to, to use that 
as an example, what is going to be the catalyst in the fire service before our citizens say, wait a minute, you're costing us more and more money every year. And you're saying you're not going to do vent in or search. You're not going to do vertical vent. You're not going to attack the fire from an interior position. Why do we need you? Why do we need you? And, and I, I think if we're not careful, we'll see the day where we read headlines where the cops make more grabs than firefighters are. Well, we're out in the yard with our clean cabs and our two in, two out. And, and, I, and I think I mentioned in the class, I called 40 of my, my brothers in blue and I said, hey, what's your policy on your police officers and structure fires? And they said, we ain't got one. Hmm. So we're out there doing our thing. They're running in and making the grab. So uh, uh, one of our, our, our sheriff here in Denton County put out a statement and he made it perfectly clear. He said, if you are an officer in my organization, you will confront the shooter. You will not wait for help. You will not hide behind this or that. You will go in and you'll solve the problem. And so I said, what does that look like in the fire service? And, and let me tell you, I've gotten a lot of hate mail. I got a lot of chiefs mad at me. But in reality, we pull up, we get our stuff on, we're trained. We got all this gear that costs a lot of money. We need to get our butts in there and occupy the searchable spaces and confirm, you know, I, I, I love Chief Brunacini. He is a mentor of mine. I have a lot of respect for, for the, that, that generation of leadership, but I haven't seen anybody who has taken um, victim survivability profiling to a science to where I can stand on the curb, look at a burning building and make a decision if people are alive or dead. And with social media, and all the, you know, if we, if Collinsville, if the colony goes to a fire tomorrow and somebody's got a camera, we're going to get graded by the American fire service. They're going to tell us if we did good or did bad. Well, we all have people on our social media who are not firefighters and they read that and they, they make, well, wow, are they good or are they not good? And, and so I think we're getting very close to a point where we're going to see our citizens, the taxpayers, the people who pay for us to exist are going to say enough of this. Let me tell you how you're going to fight fire. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think that's, you know, that that's one bad situation in the news getting away from, from, from that being our reality. Exactly. What is, your, what is your mission? Real quick. What is your mission statement? Um, 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 convey what message does it convey? <laughs> ours ours is very basic. We're, we're going we're gonna to save lives, protect property, solve problems, bring order to chaos, and initiate the recovery process. I mean, boom, boom, boom. And I define success in the Colony Fire Department. If you come into my organization as a firefighter, you promote, and you sit down with the fire chief, I say, this is what I want you to do. And it, it'll take me 10 seconds. I want you to be prepared while on duty mentally, physically, mechanically, and procedurally. I want your mind right, your body right, your stuff right. And procedurally is our fire attack plan. I want you to take care of people, them and us, in that order. Perfectly clear. I want you to solve problems using all available resources. I want you to manage risks inside and outside the firehouse. I want you to maximize the capabilities been given to us. And I want you to minimize our zero impact period. From the time the parking brake is set till we start solving problems, that needs to be like a golf score, as minimal as possible. If you do that, the old man's happy. Exactly. But you yeah. have around the country how they define success in their department. They'll look at you starry-eyed. Well, we're an ISO one. Mm -hmm. well, congratulations. 
Yeah, that's a preparedness true. standard. Tell me right. what you do when you set the parking brake. Right, right. That's now you know why I don't have a lot of fire chiefs in my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious as to uh, why or, or some of the pushback you've gotten. You said a lot of the fire chiefs were kind of not happy with you uh, when you, you know, embarked on like this very kind of direct mission statement and stuff. What was some of the pushback you were getting? So another part of my, David, another part of my research for the book is I spent a whole year of my networking and training time going to fire chief conferences. I spent the next year going to firefighter conferences. I'd ask the same question. How do you find success? What do you think the mission represents? So forth. And they were speaking two different languages. Mm-hmm. The fire chiefs were on a whole different bandwidth than, than the firefighters. The fire chiefs referred to the firefighters like they were inmates. Mm-hmm. The firefighters mm-hmm. referred to fire chiefs like they, they. And so I saw this disconnect. And you'll hear fire chiefs say things like, well, firefight fires are down. Okay, well, maybe they are. But what does that do to a motivated firefighter? Right. If we go to one fire a year, that's a big deal. They'll say we're an EMS department that occasionally goes to fires. Again, that may be the reality, but what does that do? It, it, it gives us all a buy to be fire ready. And so I've just kind of called them out. And, you know, a fire chief that doesn't understand what firefighters do is going to really pull back on the reins. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let them do the job that our citizens expect them to do because they're all about risk avoidance. Fire chiefs, with many yeah. exceptions, the majority that they're they're very reluctant to accept risk they always want to take the risk avoid because they're going to be held accountable at the end of the day and so that troubles me and and i call them out on that and you know i can't imagine walking up to a ceo of a fortune 500 company or, or a director of a movie or whatever and say how do you define success and they don't have an answer mm-hmm. you're the ceo now do I still stretch hose? No. Can I throw a ladder with proficiency like the guys on the truck? No. I don't need to know that, but I need to understand mm-hmm. what goes into that. And so I just saw this huge disconnect. And because I have challenged their mindset, uh, they don't like that. The fire chiefs mm-hmm. have egos. I, I'm not letting any big cat out of the bag, right? But, you know, fire chiefs love to think they're the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe many are. But, uh, you know, I could leave tomorrow and the Colony Fire Department's fine. All my members leave tomorrow and I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I think I think uh, all those things. And then you see a mission statement on a wall that's 15 paragraphs long. And it looks great at a fire chief conference, but the, the boss on the engine or the truck scratching his head going, how do I make this work in the field? Mm-hmm. Because it's not clear. It's 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 not really and so making comments like that just are not real, real popular. But, you know, uh, what we're doing kind of works. We have very low turnover. We have great retention. Our fires go pretty good. We don't fight the most fires as everybody in the country. But we kind of deviated from the norm in the Texas Fire Service. We've had some great success. But, I, you know, a lot, a lot of people say, well, you can't do it like that. And when I say why not, I don't get a lot of good answers. And, and Larry, you mm-hmm. certainly know, you know what that's about. (laughs) Most definitely, brother. Most definitely. Um, Did that answer your question, David? I mean, did that? No, it it, it did. It did. I see a lot of uh, what you're talking about, obviously, uh, as I've told people many times, uh, 
I'm I'm not a you know in the fire service, so you know. But you're around I, it I, all the time. Yeah, but I'm around it all the time, and I watch you know like nine one one and Chicago Fire, so I'm completely <laughs> immersed in the whole culture. But uh, no, but I'm saying uh, all jokes aside, what you're talking about, I see just society wise, and it's it's disturbing in that way, like uh, a drift from. You're saying the mission and and saying the fire service, but I mean just the mission at you know like Popeye's chicken. You know, so it's just when you want, yeah, exactly. When you it, it's really kind of interesting that you say, okay, this is what we should be about, and when you when you're dealing with it, it's it's something altogether different than that. So you won't even get sort of the basic of what that is about. But everybody wants to do wants to look like they are, uh, you know, the the more high-level expert and get away from the, you know, knowing and understanding and mastering the basics and, like you said, keeping in mind the reason that you have to have those basics so tough and then the other stuff be based on that solid foundation. Mm-hmm. It's like that foundation is has been done away with in a lot of ways. And it seems like that's, it would be a no brainer that that's a very dangerous thing uh, in the realm of first responders, you know, but it's happening obviously. But But like you're in the entertainment, you're in the entertainment industry, right? And you have a director and you kind of have a script and, and there's a product that you're trying to produce by the time it's all done. The mission is kind of our, our goal, right? If we go out the door and we fulfill that mission, we solve that problem. That That's a win. That's our way of keeping score. But the first thing we have to do is understand the clarity of, of, of what that's about. What's the product mm-hmm. that we want to produce? And we've allowed ourselves to make it so much about us that that's all mm-hmm. we focus on. You know, I would love, again, I got two boys on the job. Is firefighter cancer a real concern? Absolutely. But when's the last time the American Fire Service has placed as much focus on reducing civilian fire deaths as they have on reducing firefighter line of duty deaths? And in reality, we're killing about seven to 13 firefighters a year who are actively fighting fire. Mm-hmm. We, we, we kill more than that through heart attacks and strokes and running over them and falling out of stuff. But you consider the extremely dangerous job we do, we have a very, very high success rate. You know, I'm going mm-hmm. to Houston where they, they go to the roof 10 times a day with success. But if a firefighter falls through tonight in the American Fire Service, all these chiefs are going to come back and go, they never should have been on the roof. Vertical vent is too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, no, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Out of 10,000, we had a failure. That's in any industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just my opinion. Uh-huh. No, I mean, it's a very good opinion. It's basically, we, we have stats to back it up, you know. And like you said, you know, when I tell people you signed up for this job, that's what you signed up for. It's hard for me to feel sorry. It's hard for me to feel sorry when you worked in St. Louis for 30 years and, you know, you've had to fight fires and you had to fight fires on Sunday and you had to fight fires on Christmas and you had to fight fires on Easter and you, and, and, and you had to, um, Fourth of July is like you think Detroit got hell hell day, you know. If St. Louis got to be somewhere the, close to that, because you know what? How many times did you have to get up in the middle of the night? You're not guaranteed eight hours sleep. You're not. I, I, this, this feels weird. I mean, it does feel weird now for a year that I've been 
<laughs> over in college, we were sleeping, being able to sleep all night. I almost had a, a, what, a not PTSD, whatever, the separation issues of like, mm-hmm. I, I don't have to get up. Where, where's the pole? You don't have a pole. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, but. That's I was about to say that, that, that's not entirely true. <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, uh, uh, but you know, it, it just do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that was a uh, uh, another appealing conversation that we had a couple of days ago. You were telling me, uh, and David can relate to this, and I kind of want that to connect because David, in, in case you don't know, one as many talents as he's a master karate man. He knows what all it <laughs> means, but. But David uh, has since, you know, he was a preteen, has been involved in not karate just to learn how to do it and win tournaments and beat people up. He he got really into the spiritual part of the, he knows Japanese. He Outstanding. Into it. Yeah. So, but David has always, even before we got smart enough to put programs together like we do it, was in love with the process. And when he got in love with the process as a result of successful processes that he did over and over again, that he was always ready for whatever. And he walked away from a lot of fights because he know I'm I'm this is not going to end well for you. So I'm saving you now by not, you know, you know, breaking some stuff on you, you know. But my point is is that the process always has him ready. And even at this age, he still he's a sensei, he teaches, he still works the process himself. For you know his continued strength and inner strength and all that, so principally working a successful process has you ready for anything. When you decide I don't really need the process, that's stupid. I did the process a long time ago. Whatever your excuse is, not to stick to the process on whatever your contribution to life is: being a firefighter, being a karate man, being David. I mean, writes and directs film, so he's always in that study of it. But well, I was talking to you the other day, and you told me the process of which you, your firefighters do every morning. I feel bad. Like, I wish I could take some of those 30 years back and go back to my crew and say, we're going to start doing this. <laughs> and then, you know, start doing it because it was amazing. And I, and I thought the stuff I trained my guys on on a regular basis was, was good. But until I heard, the process that you said, I was like, Man. But you guys went to a lot of fires, Larry. We don't go yeah, to the yeah. fires that you guys yeah, went to. Yeah, but I'm just saying, right. I, and, and I agree with that. And and that would, and that, and you know what, if you said that, I would say, well, Scott, we go to more fires than you do. So we ain't got to do that. But but still, and all, it wouldn't hurt to maybe even once a cycle do it. You know, mm-hmm. it may not have to be every day, but just more often than we did, just like you said, to keep those, keep that uh, soft, sharp. Anyway, kind of walk us through that because I love that story too. So I love the athletic analogy. You know, the way you become an expert is you got to endure a ton of boredom doing repetitive things that you think you know well. But can we all agree that Tiger Woods is probably one of the greatest golfers that ever played Mm -hmm. golf? Tiger Woods Mm -hmm. goes to a swing coach because he's looking for that little advantage. Batters that are hitting 289. They go to swing coaches to get that little advantage to get just a little bit better. And in the fire service, I I mean, I've seen contracts, union contracts that prohibit training after five o'clock. And when the temperature is above this, below that. And to me, I'm going, you know, (laughs) we don't train. I don't want my guys training for the fire chief. 
I want guys training for the families of the people they work with. I want my guys mm-hmm. training so that David goes home and Larry goes home and, and we all go home to our families. That's why we're training so we want the be successful. But the fire service is the only organized team event where we throw all that out and say, well, it doesn't apply to us. The process to me is more important than the outcome. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have met I have met some fantastic firefighters that work in the busiest fire companies in the nation, and I've met some really terrible ones. It's not about the amount of fire. I mean, you can go to 100 fires, and if you don't learn anything, mm. you're not any better than than you were 100 fires ago. Mm. And, and I've hired a lot of guys from bigger departments who go to a lot more fires, and I, that's the first thing I say. I go, we're not going to go to the fires that, that you go to. And they said, yeah, Chief, but all our fires are shit shows, and, and they all are different. And so, you know, to me – we got to get good at the basics, but you got to have a process of mentally, you got to get the mental representation. If it's not right in the head, it's not going to be right in the hands. You've got to visualize success. And to do that to me is, is through training and, and, or when you go to a fire, you got to learn something from, if you go to a fire and you back in the house and you don't even talk about it, well, you just went to a fire. You didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So experience comes in a lot of ways. But the thing is taking advantage of those teaching opportunities to get us a little better. I'll share something that, you, Larry, I don't know, Dave, if you heard Gordon Graham, you know who Gordon Graham is. Mm-hmm. And and I talked, to, I talked to him about what is a professional. And he sent me a book, Going Pro. And, and in that book, there were three levels of a professional. One is competent enough to earn a paycheck or be a member if you're a volunteer. The second level of professional is you're going to fit into your environment. If you go into a high-performance fire company, you're going to be a high performer. If you go into a low performance, you're going to seek to that level. But the highest level of professionalism are those who are committed to continual improvement. That goes mm-hmm. right back to kind of where I started with this, with Tiger Woods and, and, and these great ball players. They're always looking for the advantage to be just a little bit better. And, and so why do we think that doesn't apply to the fire service? You know, if, if I work at the firehouse on Tuesday and Sunday, why do I think Sunday's a day off? Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't mm-hmm. understand that. Mm-hmm. No, Sunday to me, we have fires on Sundays. We go to jobs on Sundays. We have rescues on Sunday. you got to have your head in the game. You don't get off on the 4th of July or Christmas. Now, we, we don't may not plan all the other stuff. But when yeah. I talk about that mental and physical preparedness, we got to make sure our head and our body is ready to do whatever may come to us. And, mm-hmm. and, and we know we, the one thing, uh, the advantage that the military special ops has over us is they have intel. They study the enemy, they know where they're going, and they can pre to have that luxury. We don't know when the next call is coming in. And so we have to be at a higher level of awareness. And we've all heard the saying, Risk a lot to save a lot. Risk a little, save a little. Risk nothing. I think we should change that to prepare a lot to mm-hmm. save a lot. To save a little. Be unprepared and save nothing. Because your success comes in the firehouse and it shows up on the fire ground. Mm-hmm. My sensei used to always say, you're only going to be able to rise to the level of your training. And so that's, I mean, and if you the minute you stop, you know, doing that training on a regular basis, and that's when that rust comes in. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like you say, that that split second that gets you 
you know, some serious damage or that split second that makes you make a decision that you shouldn't have made that costs you, you know, later on. And sometimes, like Larry was saying about walking away from fights, that's the difference between getting into a fight that even if you win, you lose or not getting into that fight and making something more beautiful in the world. But if that's your mission, that's what that's supposed to be. But the same thing, if you're, uh, in my opinion, a, a fire service professional in an unpredictable environment like what you guys go into all the time, through the basics and things like that, that kind of training to me seems crucial because that's what you're going to have to rely on when you're in those unpredictable situations, like you said, without, uh, you know, intel before you go in, you know, you're going to, you're going to need to rely on that. And it's going to need to almost be like a second nature muscle memory thing. And if you don't train on it, Lord have mercy, you know. And, and the science shows us, that if you think you're going to die, you revert back to the basics, your training. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. science also shows that after 45 days, roughly, our knowledge and skills start to decrease. Mm-hmm. So if you're not rehearsing, I, you know, that that's the term I use. And actually, I stole it from, from the theater and dress rehearsals, right? Before you have a big production, you make sure everything is right for game day. The, the mm-hmm. costumes and, and all that. It's same thing, same thing in, in the fire service. And you know, we all we all go to different levels of fires and all these other things. But when when I was riding out with Rescue Three and Pete Lund, he shared something with me, and I think I think I said this in the class. Uh, Pete Lund's Rescue Three in the South Bronx. He's an icon of the American Fire Service, and he was talking to me. He said, "Scott, you have every opportunity to be a firefighter at the highest level." I was with Plano at the time in Plano, Texas, as I do in the South Bronx or at Thirteens in St. Louis. You have every opportunity to be a firefighter at the highest level. It's just going to look a little different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reality. Collinsville tomorrow could have a station nightclub fire. Mm-hmm. And it could test that organization like it's – it could have a tornado. It could have a train wreck. Mm-hmm. It could have a highway accident. And your guys are going to have to perform at a level comparable to any fire department in the nation. Mm-hmm. You got to – it's got to start up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Walk us through walk us through a typical day in the morning after roll call and after roll call and the reason why you do it. <laughs> well, roll call is the first thing, and, and that's the time for those. I say those companies that don't do roll call are giving away leadership. That may be the one time during the tour that the officer gets to sit down and check on that mental and physical mechanic procedure. You know, hey Sally, how's your mom doing? I know she was in hospice. Mike, you know, you're 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 sniffling. Are you are you okay? You know. Checking on your people, investing in them, lining out the expectation for the day, talking about the mission. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be the best engine company. We're gonna be the go-to crew today. If we get one of those jobs and commands looking for a company to get it done, I want them to reach over one and two and pick three. Mm-hmm. And then they they go outside. We have a forcible entry door at every firehouse. They force a door. The engine company stretch a line. The truck company throws a ladder. We work 4896. Sometime during that 48 hour, the tower ladder is going to be raised and everybody on that tower ladder is going to climb to the top of the ladder. They're going to come back down and, and they're going to do the things that, that, that keep their head in the game. It's no different than mm-hmm. a pitcher going out in the bullpen and throwing some warm ups mm-hmm. or the quarterback running routes. It's, it's a pre, you know, the game starts when we come on duty. And then if they call our number during that 24, 48 hours is, is, is that's where we've got to perform. 
And I'll tell you, Larry, what's been interesting is that hasn't come from me. That's come from the men and women in the organization because they found mm-hmm. out the value of training mm-hmm. is it's not for the fire chief. It's for each other because the captain's success depends on the firefighter and, and, and vice versa. And as I've traveled around the country, like I said, to the busiest fire companies in New York and Philadelphia and L.A. and Houston, the busiest fire companies seem to train the most. It's the ones that don't go to a lot of fires that don't train. The ones that don't have the time. My son, when he got out of rookie school, went to an engine company that was making 20, 25 calls in 24 hours. And that lieutenant always found time to give him at least 15 or 20 minutes of training. Hmm. Well, there's, yeah. a, there's a way, but you've got to yeah. put the value in. you got to have a culture that supports it. There's a thousand excuses not to, but there's one reason to, success and survival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't. And you don't always have to make it about we're going to carve out this time. It's good to do that. But a lot of times, especially if you run a lot of calls, you can leverage those opportunities. Hey, let's stay a few more minutes and look at this building construction or let's do this. Or, hey, you know, why we why we got this much holes out, let's stretch it or let's do whatever. And then incorporate that. And then that way it doesn't, you know, it it, it adds to the value of it. And then now you got real world stuff there because you're not simulating it at the firehouse. You're doing it. At, at, the, at whatever scene you find. Busy fire companies carry rope. Instead of stretching a line, let's stretch rope and see how much we're going to need. That way, if we mm-hmm. got to get out in a hurry, you know, we're driving back from an automatic fire alarm. We see a building on a construction. Let's pull over and let's just walk through it and see mm-hmm. see what, what the, what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, training doesn't have to it, – it's about quality, not quantity. Yeah. We don't have to do four hours of training. We can do 20 or 30 minutes of quality training if, if we research it and it's accurate information, to me, that that's great. It's not mm-hmm. about the time doing it. It's about the content of doing it. And and uh, if you focus on that, you know, if my guys do 20 minutes of training a shift, I'm good with that as long as it's quality. Because mm-hmm. over a year amount of time, we're going to be that much better. Yeah. But to me, you know, I, I borrow part of our culture, and we stole it from the Hippocratic Oath that doctors take, is, is first do no harm. Well, you may go a shift without training because you got your tail kicked. You may go too. But if you're going three or four, you're doing harm to your company. Mm-hmm. And as a company officer, you've got to invest in your people. That's why you took the promotion. It's about investment and sacrifice. And so you got to find a way to get it done. I remember mm-hmm. riding out with Rescue 3. We were, in the, we were out in the apparatus bay at 2 o'clock in the morning. And they were setting up some kind of A-frame to practice lifting because they knew the value of it. You're going to wish you had it then. Elaine was about to say something. What were you going to say? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kind of wondering, what do you think that the resistance to training is all about? Because it just seems like if you got something that you do, especially on with uh, what's required of that industry, that the work that you do, it looks like that would be a no-brainer. It's culture and leadership. And, and unless you're motivated, you know, David, you got a passion for, for karate. And, mm-hmm. and so you're motivated to excel in that. But human nature, all of us, will take the path of least resistance of giving that opportunity. If I have weak leadership and if, I, if, I've, ha- if I've had my tail kicked for my two off-duty days of my part-time job and I'm allowed to come into the firehouse, and plant my butt in a recliner and watch a fishing show all day, 
that's human nature. I mean, that's one of the things I talked to Clyde Moe about. You know, they're very high-performance companies, but they said they send their guys out for six months to the slackers. They're going to come back a different person. And so part of it is human nature. And the leadership part of it is those officers haven't done a good job articulating mm. how much responsibility we have, how quickly this job can turn deadly, because we have so many good days that we think we're good when we're actually lucky. Mm. But, but it's all about the message of saying, listen, you're not training again for me. You're training for you and the people you serve with and the wives, husbands, and kids at home who expect you to come home at the end of a shift. And you put it in that, you, there, there's no argument against it. There's no argument against getting better at what at a job that, that can literally kill you. And, and so I don't fully understand it, that I'm on a, 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 a mission to, to try to figure that out to answer your question, but that's where I've come to at this point. If you're allowed to take that time off and relax, human nature is I'm going to take advantage of that. So therefore, something mm-hmm. sounds like that is a need for personal leadership to teach people that I need to take personal responsibility for, for what I do on my job. And even if my leader is not necessarily making the call right now, I need to take some responsibility myself because I also know what I'm supposed to be able to do at the drop of, especially within that industry, but in any industry. But where's my res- personal responsibility? You know, so I'm only going to get up and do something just unless somebody tells me to. I mean, that sounds like something from a a, a, a minor, a child. No, I agree totally with you, but I'm waiting for one of my firefighters to come in and say, hey, Chief, can we work from home? Oh, you know, that, that's, oh, that's where our society, people oh, don't even oh, want to oh, work anymore. Stop it, stop it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not asking any more questions. I mean, yeah. just, no, just, no, I agree with you, but that's that's work ethic, right? That exactly right. what you're talking about yeah. is work ethic, mm-hmm. and that's kind of hard to determine in an interview. And we hope we do the best we can, but uh, you know, if we hire those people who are individually motivated, that's a win, um, and and we hope we do that. But if you don't have a good leader who is showing them purpose and showing why their effort every day mm-hmm. is paying off and contributing to the end result. What's my motivation anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, if I see this guy over here who's getting away with it, Hey, I'm out here throwing ladders and stretching and doing all the things. And Joe over here is making the same amount of money that I am. And he's not doing a lick. How long can I maintain that motivation before I check out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's uh, and that's and that's kind of circle back to that question um, a little while ago when I was talking about um, the the keeping it mission mindset even with all these different personalities different generations all it's that it's the one that's thing we can all focus on that's the challenge right? mm-hmm. that's why it's important to I guess make sure that um, you stay strong on that keep it in front of people keep it often keep it part of the DNA. Because it's all it has to be practiced as well as what you do with hands on and keeping that that mission and that vision in front of in front of your, your team. It has to be the culture of that organization because if the culture is the the thing that Chief was just talking about, then even when the new people come on, I mean, unless you're one of those people who 
you know, is a highly motivated individual. And that's just in your personal DNA. Unless you're that person, you will get actually trained to be the slacker. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. One of the other things the old man used to say is, you know, you either are the person who's, you know, training to really do well or you're training to slack. You know, you, when you sit down and don't train, you training, you're just training to be a slacker. So if you're creating a slacker culture with you, within your organization, then you're, you're training them. You're just training them to fail. But I've been in firehouse, David, where the high performers get ridiculed and called out mm-hmm. by the senior guy and said, hey, yeah. knock that yeah. stuff off. You're making us look bad or, you know, mm-hmm. So you actually get penalized for yeah. doing exactly what we were talking about and having that individual work ethic by the senior guy and the officer. They discourage it. Then what do you do with yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. So you are absolutely. so you are trained to become firefighters and then you change how you think about it after you get the job. Some people Unfortunately, yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then that's one of the biggest problems in the fire service today, I think. Because we I don't pay for performance, we pay by rank. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is that, and that's why we have to, that's why it's such a hot topic in a lot of cases, because people do it, period. No matter mm-hmm. what, you go to Burger King, they do it. Uh, it doesn't matter. People do it. The problem is when you have a high risk job right. like food, right. you can't right. afford to get away with it like the Burger King person. You see? And, and and that person shouldn't be getting away with it either. However, you don't put the emphasis, but you don't put the emphasis on it because yeah, because you you getting killed cooking a hamburger is less likely than get killed in the house fire. I you don't know. know if you eating at Burger King. Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 work work ethic is work ethic. Yeah, I, I know, Bob. Just saying, in in general, mm-hmm. that's I understand what you're saying, but that's how humans do, and it's just more. Is highlighted more when you have a high risk job. Absolutely, it yeah. sounds louder so at the end of something like the fire service than yeah. it does at something like Burger King. But the, but it happens all the time. It gets overlooked in some of these other places, or just as a society, even just because you know the the stakes aren't as high. But it it is it happens all over the place. Burger King, Burger King, right now is not having a, a podcast about. Um, how, how, how depleted the teams are at Burger mm-hmm. King right now. Mm-hmm. And then but I'll tell you, as a young fireman, I was lucky a lot more than I was good. Yeah. away with a lot of yeah. stuff that I shouldn't have. And knowing what I know now, I look back and I go, how did I ever survive? I yeah. said the same thing. The I'll man above. I say the yeah. same thing. Uh, and I learned that from Dave Dotson. David, my brother David and I were in um, Alaska a few years back doing the keynote there. And Dave Dotson was there. I've said through his class before, but he, he, another person made a statement that just stuck with me. He said, you know, we got to get out of our heads thinking it's nothing wrong with confidence, but something wrong when, um, it has a false, uh, it's elevated more than it should. He said, I realized I was more lucky than I was good. And when he said that, I got to thinking, mm. like, you're right. Mm-hmm. I'd have got away with a lot of stuff that I probably should have got away with. And and but it gives you the, the kind of the cowboy mentality that I'm good, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I got more mature realized that no, I need to match, you know, a bunch of things together, so to reduce relying on luck 
but you're lucky. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to get complacent in this job. You've got to yeah. combat it, or it's going to happen. Because when you're when you're at the firehouse for 24 hours, like you said, you got to work 48 hours. I mean, even though you and like you said, we're not demanding people. You just train the whole time, all day, you know, whatever. But you got you got to uh, to invest in it. But you still, no matter how busy your firehouse is. You still rest more times than you are in the street. Uh, and then, so you need to take those moments, not every moment, not all the time, because when you work a, a shift work, it is hard on the body. Science shows that too. Sure. But all we're asking um, most people is just take that concentrated amount of time, train on stuff that, that matters, and, 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 and then do that on a regular basis instead of giving in to I need my rest and I'm resting because you have more rest. Don't don't give in to that. Rest afterwards because I didn't mind if my guys was chilling, watching a movie or something like that, and we had had a good morning training, I'm not going to bother you anymore. Mm-hmm. I ain't got nothing else to say to you. Just, now, where, where you're going to hear from me, we hit the street and you do something stupid, then we're coming back. I, had, I, I did training one time at 3.35 in the morning because they did something stupid. And when we mm-hmm. back then, everybody take their gear off and, ooh, let's get back upstairs. I said, oh, no, oh, contrary, my mm-hmm. friend. On the apparatus floor. And I said, this is what didn't happen. So I need all the equipment out on how it should have happened. Well, it's 335 in the morning. I said, I don't see nothing in the union contract to say I can't train at 335 in the morning. I might be a, a butthole, but I don't mind that. But you I'm going to take what you earned. I'm, I'm gonna get, we ain't, right. ain't going to forget. We ain't going to forget this. <laughs> you know, yeah. we ain't gonna have an extra day. Oh man, right now, not left now, but right now. Mm-hmm. If you don't do something like that, then you send the message that what you didn't do right was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We trained from three thirty-five to almost. It was almost time for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> we got it right. I'm gonna tell you what. I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> I know that's right. Mm-hmm. That's but, you know, Larry, I agree with you. You know, we probably train as much as any department in the country. We don't make a lot of calls. But my guys are usually, by, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they're upstairs relaxing. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing their own thing. But I hold the battalion chief and the company officer. I said, you're going you're gonna to be the, the measure of this. If you say your guys are squared away and ready to go out the door, I trust that. Mm-hmm. But if you go out, then we're going to be training. It, and don't do it. We're going to be training at 2.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Do we understand one another? Yeah, yeah. So it, it only takes a couple of times to do something impossible <laughs> like that before you you got a whole lot of attitude adjusting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as long as I, don't, I don't wake up and say, "Oh, I ain't got nothing better to do." I'm, no, I'm, I can't. I can't sleep watching the infomercial. Let me wake everybody up. That would be wrong. But like I said, if you if you mess up at two in the morning, because here's the deal: the reason I didn't mind training at two in the morning, because guess what? We have to get up at two in the morning sometimes. Get up at two in the morning. 335, 447. I'm, I was always, I used to tell my guys all the time, I can run 20 calls a day. I'm good. But at 1030, I don't want nothing else to happen because yeah. I got to get up four times, four or five times a night. I was grouchy. So don't yeah. mess up because yeah. I'm grouchy. But, you know, we're going to be doing some stuff, you know. But the other yeah. thing is, as a as a, a, a person who's not in the fire service, if I call the fire department, last thing I want to hear is my bad. 
You know, what I, mean? I just <laughs> I don't want to hear it. My bad, man. <laughs> right, man, you know, the whole house burned down. Right, you know, uh, <laughs> We probably should have trained on that. You what? You know. <laughs> so you talk. You talk about being hot. You know, you know? <laughs> fired up. Fired yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready to say the same ones. Fired up. <laughs> That's what I said about my grandbabies. I want the most aggressive firefighters in the world to show up on that fire. And yeah, exactly. You bet you I expect them to take risks. Exactly. And, that's, exactly. and that's why we can't have that complacency attitude. I never took a, I mean, like if something was extreme, it was extremely hot. 102 degrees, 107. Sure. Yeah, right. We're going to make, let's make some adjustments and not be out in that. Um, it's, it's, it's three degrees below zero. Uncle Larry's a tropical brother. I definitely ain't going to be out in that. But, but if we, can we train to a level that if it happens, it doesn't shock our system? And that's right. why I don't always agree with the whole thing where our contract says we can't train above this or we can't train above this. Then what, what, what happens when, when, when something happens? I would love for it to always be 68 degrees and, and, mm. and, and partly sunny mm. and, and not that and the humidity down to fight a fire. But I don't I fought the most fires in the worst condition. Mm. And if that's a shock to my system, I'm not going to be very good at my job. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't understand the whole narrative of like, you know, we can only do it between these parameters, when it's not hot, when it's not cold, when it's not Sunday, when it's not that, when it's not that. If, if you if you work a, a profession that you can get called at any time, then you're lucky that it ain't like the military. Because when I was in boot camp, my company commander was a, a, a drunk, divorced guy, his wife left him. So he would be at the CO uh, place uh, uh, drinking, he going home. He don't feel like going home because he don't want to deal with the demons at home. So he wants to deal with y'all. 3.30 in the morning, that trash can, and that's boom, reverently, reverently, get online. You got 10 seconds to get online. Five, four, three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then he, he drunk, so he reminiscing. You all messed up today. You embarrassed me. So we're going to do push-ups. I get tired. We're like, I'm like what, is, what if I got myself? Mm-hmm. Man, I got my over. Christian CO, I got to get, you know, drunk, you, right. know, you know, but my point is, is that that kind of preparation, he didn't realize there was a method to the madness, or not, because ready for if, anything. I to, if I go to war, if war ain't like, you know, hey, you know, we're going to do war, mm-hmm. we're going to start by seven, uh, probably go to lunch about noon, and then we're going to do some more war, and then we're going to sleep tonight, so that that okay with everybody, ready, break, let's start shooting each other. That ain't how that work. Mm-hmm. Hey, the same rules apply to aggression. You can't be non-aggressive on 99 fires and show up on 100 when mom's in the front yard screening my babies up there and be a rock star. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't happen like that. You you get into a high gear if you've never been in that gear. Mm-hmm. My, my ex my ex captain had a pretty good number of rescues while he did while he did his career, and um, but one. Was um well, I had I had got promoted by then, but one of the last rescues he made, they showed up at the fire. The uh, fire had 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 you know ran everybody out. The the parents tried to grab the two girls on the way out, but it was just too intense. 
they show up. And instead of leading off with the line, he, he made the radio call. They said, the parents on the front, my baby's in there in the room. Where is she? She's in there, two two doors down, make a left, whatever like that. Him and, his, and the leadoff guy, he made the radio call, primary search, no line. And the reason he said that is because he wanted the companies coming in, we're going to need water today. We should have it now. Seconds matter. I ain't got time to deploy a line and undo it, run it down the street, test it. Ain't no air in the line. Drag it down off. Ain't got they time for that. In, they went in, got these girls, the uh, 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 one line uh, uh, rescue. They're making a rescue, no line. Anyway, unfortunately, one of the girls succumbed to her, to, to the injury, mm-hmm. and one, one of them survived. Mm-hmm. And I was at funeral. We went to the funeral of, of, of me and the PIO and the guy that worked for me at the time. We went to the funeral and the girl that they saved, they let her out the hospital early so she could attend her sister's funeral. But if it wasn't for him going in like there, that's a push. Training in search and rescue and rescuing under very adverse conditions because they didn't have a water source to to protect, so they went in took a beating. Their gear came out all messed up, and they took a beating. But they made the grab, and when they made the grab, these two girls, one girl was able to come to the other girl's fence. They surely would have both been dead if they didn't make the push. But they made, they made, they got one, and just. But you know what? That's exactly what our citizens expect us to do. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. They want us to have a cape on our back, and they want us to go in there and be superheroes. And we got to manage that as officers because we're not going to kill a firefighter recklessly. But there's a huge spectrum between doing nothing and killing firefighters recklessly. We got to find that sweet spot based on our capabilities and our training and our leadership and our experiences. That's how it all comes together. Now, I think you increase recklessness when you don't train. You believe you believe in the hero music. You're like, let me go in. And so, but if you train, you know, as, as much as you can, the, the the perfect storm of whatever scenario we're in. But we can come pretty close to it. But if we if we train like 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 we should, talking about whatever you do mm-hmm. is just a result of that. Mm-hmm. It's not. So it's less chance of it being reckless if you are, are trained and know what you doing because you're going to make more of the right moves than you would you know uh, uh not because you don't know what you're doing that's another problem I have with those fire chiefs who say they have a safety culture but don't support training my opinion yeah. is training is the most safety, safety conscious thing that, that you can take invest in that. you know david like i was talking about david earlier with the karate i mean with, yeah but he 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 David, I don't know when last time he had to use it, <laughs> but whenever he has to, he's gonna be ready because he still he still does it after all these years. David, outstanding. You know, we, we all in our fifties now. They've been doing this since he was eleven, twelve years old. You know, mm-hmm. so but when I was making that making that uh, that comment because whatever, whether it's firefighting, karate, uh, whatever you decide to do, fall in love with the process. The athletes. Yeah, I don't know if you and you probably watched Steph Curry, uh, who went playing basketball, just a phenomenal shooter. I mean, and and, and can shoot three point, half court, 
uh, uh, layups, and he does circus acts from the from the back, from the bleachers mm-hmm. and from the seats and all that. But the deal is that it's a constant work for him in ball handling. Thousands of hours to get to that point. Thousands place. of hours, thousands of misses to the point to where he the go to guy. We we need a three pointer now. Steph gonna knock that down, you know. But it didn't it didn't come from uh, uh, hoping he can do it or being reckless with the ball. He's confident. He throws the ball up sometimes, turn around, walk away because he knows it's going in. And I bet he practiced on Sunday every once in a while. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably at least probably, one. I, I, I don't know. I'm about to ask him, but still, I'm email. Him. So, did you, you know, whatever, you know? But that's that's my point. And that's just, that's just basketball. That ain't life safety stuff. When I worked as a registered nurse, every time they offered extra training, and I'd been trained really well and was in leadership. Every time they offered extra training, I encouraged all of the girls that I was men and women that I was working with to go, and I went to. They offered, you know, a, you know, catch up training or uh, just some training you could use in case you uh, ran into certain situations. But I always encouraged everybody to go get that extra training and then train on what you already know, because mm-hmm. sometimes after you haven't used it a while, you get a little rusty. So yep. you still need to go and, and you need to keep your skills sharp. Here you go. I don't understand anything any other man said. <laughs> that's really leadership in action right there, telling your people to go go get better, maintain yep. your skills and get a little better. That's leadership. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also modeling it in front of them. I always quote Bruce Lee saying, I'm not afraid of the man who can throw uh, 10,000 kicks. I'm afraid of the man who's thrown one kick 10,000 mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. That's a different thing. You know, as we close this out, I I don't I go to very few fire chief conferences anymore. I go to firefighter conferences. That's where I learn the most. Because number one, I want to know who's influencing my firefighters and what they're learning. Number two, I didn't learn a whole lot at fire chief conferences. (laughs) You know, I want to I want to know what what challenges they have and, and the things that they need to support them. And that goes for any industry, whether we're fixing air or plumbing or whatever, but but for some reason in the fire service, we think we're exempt from everything we talked about this evening. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I haven't figured yeah. that out yet. Mm. Yeah, we got to mm. get better and close that gap. And then the, even more, like I said, with the generational thought pattern, uh, that gap needs to be closed because, um, and, and, and you know, and I'm going I'm to say this both sides of it, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about it, but it's not entirely accurate. I forget who said, I heard somebody speaking one day and say, you know, we could talk about this generation, so to speak, but this generation right now is the one that's flying the fighter fighter jet. And this generation right now is the one that's running the ships in our military. And this generation right now is doing a lot of stuff. So you can't sit up here and say, I don't need to train. I don't need to do whatever. And this new generation mentality, because the new generation doing things, but they're going to need your old school work ethic and tradition motivator and a, and a model in front of them of how do you do it to match uh, your, you know, how you do things today. You they know? need wisdom and experience. Those yes. are the two things of training that, you know, I understand what you know, and but you're right. We got, we got 19 year old kids that are combat medics doing incredible things yes. that, that are unbelievable. It's all yeah. about the culture and how we frame it up 
to the responsibilities that that we have, and they're awesome in the fire service. Yeah, you know, and we we have tremendous consequences if we're not prepared. True, and that's why it's important to keep that kind of conversation going. Um, you got anything? Anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to share with Chief? No, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I, I, I'm honored to be on here, and I, I tell you, I really enjoyed visiting with you all and uh, just talking about the job that I love. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, we, uh, I, I enjoy finally getting, getting you on. You got always got people on the on the bucket list of uh, things. When we first started, we we would get some you know some great people on. And then we, I think we got a few people on the felt sorry for us, like, who are these guys? You know, <laughs> landing, you know, some people that are like, like, wow, I, I, I used to read his articles. I used to see them speak their, their show. It was, it was a big deal. So, so uh, and it's still a big deal to the day. I get the same feeling I get when I'm talking to people that I respect and respect their work, respect their legacy. So I appreciate you. Well, thank you, brother, for giving me the opportunity. And, and we'll keep it touch. We, we've had some good dialogue yeah. the last couple of days. Yeah, 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 most definitely. Yeah, we <laughs> will. I'm sure because there's always something to talk about, you know, passionate. But uh, <laughs> we're going to go around and kind of wrap things up. We'll start with uh, Mommy Lane, then um, um, Chief Thompson, then mm-hmm. David, and mm-hmm. our, our back cleanup. Mm-hmm. Well, I know about the boys, but... Uh, I didn't know about you, Scott. So I'm glad that somebody else thinks that training is necessary. Training is something that's an essential and that should never be neglected. And so whatever level you're working on, I remember when uh, Uncle Larry had his one of his first jobs was working with or you making biscuits oh, or something for some fast food restaurant for Popeye's chicken. They sent him to school to, to learn how to make those biscuits. And he became a biscuit trainer. I'm just saying that's not as essential as we would think as being a firefighter, but the principle is the same. And so when you're working, when you're talking about principles, they, they, they it's just necessary no matter what you do. But in some fields, it's a no brainer. So I'm glad we, you know, came and, and shared your information and your insights. And like I think, like I just said, we need a part well, two. Thank you, ma'am. And, and thank you very much for your insight. And, and as a registered nurse and, and the leadership you provided to the folks that look to you for that influence. But, uh, you know, the, the only thing I'll close out is, you know, if we don't figure this out, if, if we don't get focused back on the mission, and we don't reconnect. To me, the mission is the one thing that connects us to our community. And the oath that we take when we raise our right hand, that's the thing that sets us apart from every other human on the planet. We're raising our hand saying, yeah, I'm willing to do the things that nobody else will do. And if we don't figure that out in the American fire service, we're going to be in the same conversation with our police. Defund the fire department. Let me tell you how you're going to handle this. And, and I think that's a real, I hope I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. One of the things that keeps me awake at night, but thank you so much for having me on. And, and I, I look forward to seeing y'all in the future. Mm-hmm.
Um, I really enjoy this cheap um, the biscuit thing that uh, Mommy Lane was just talking about. Reminded me when I used to make those, and they were really good. And she liked them, so then at that point, I became the son of a biscuit eater. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, um, you know what? The, uh, you know, you know, you, you know, we're gonna close the show after this. <laughs> the other thing, you know, just uh, was a really inspirational show. Matter up, matter up. Right, right, exactly. Really inspirational show with regard to keeping, you know, the mission in mind and um, and getting back to or never getting away from uh, the basics and perfecting them. Um, I want to say that I learned a lot, you know, today just listening. And uh, I can't wait to, you know, like hear your name, be a, maybe your next class or something at uh, FDIC or whatever. Um, and I will say, that the main thing that I got uh, early on uh, from you tonight is that Warren Buffett really loved his cigarettes, his liquor, and massage parlors. Uh, <laughs> you don't get me in trouble. For him to go and invest, you know, that much money. You guys, you guys <laughs> are coming to the colony. We're, you guys are coming to the colony. We're bringing you in. You're going to get the experience. <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> Maybe I'll be out tomorrow after that comment, David. <laughs> I did the best I could. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, I did the best I could. I'm not responsible for that. Thanks. Enjoy having you on, Chief. For real. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just wrap, wrap, wrap it all the way up. That was, that was fun. <laughs> the A uh, uh, couple of things that made me think about, you know, I, my mom brought up about the biscuits. And it's really a tribute to her. She was a young mom and raising three knucklehead boys and a sister. And uh, and and pretty much, you know, by as a single mother. And uh, that's when when, when we were when sometimes I watched the uh, the keynote that we did with FDIC and mom Bobby brings mom up on stage. And the reason that was such a defining moment is because you know her trying to do it to raise us with principles wasn't always an easy feat to do, but it accomplished and landed us in some pretty blessed places in our lives, uh, career-wise and otherwise. Um, but I will say this is that the the Popeye Biscuit story took me back when she just mentioned it to, um, she always talked us work ethic. And the reason they sent me, and it wasn't, it wasn't if, if mom, what happened, here's going to make it the story even more interesting. It wasn't even school. They sent me to school other people. When I come in from New Orleans, people used to kind of shortcut because there was a very specific way that you were supposed to make the biscuits with all the ingredients. And if you didn't make it that way, your biscuits didn't look like the poster. And my, I'm anal and OCD about something. So I want my biscuits to look like the poster. <laughs> and I said, how do we make it look like the poster? And this was I read in the manual. Everybody else add two discs less of that, more of that, because they was trying to roll them out real fast. I rolled them out, and I, my speed caught up with people's shortcut. So the inspector would come in, and then it, it to, to the point we just made, the new people that would come in and roll biscuits, learning from old people with bad habits, mm-hmm. would learn bad habits. So now they biscuits leaning to the side, and the bad, all that kind of stuff. Mine consistently almost looked like the poster. So when he come in and ask me questions, how much premix, how much this, how much that, I can answer him like that. Well, 
uh, what, what are you doing with your life next two weeks? I'm, I graduated from high school. Huh? You're going to Cleveland. <laughs> and I was, it was around these different places. And it's grown people. And I'm just still a teenager showing them how to roll biscuits and stuff because it wasn't about age. It wasn't about business. It was about the process and the principle of doing the process right, which got award-winning biscuits, which got the inspector going back to New Orleans saying, you know, I got Larry Conley in St. Louis. We might got something there now. It never was my desire to be a rare biscuit maker. <laughs> that poster, that poster was the mission statement. That poster was the mission statement. This right, is right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I was just, it was just certain things. Like when I cleaned, when I cleaned my car, you know, it, I wanted to look like it came off the showroom, so I don't stop wiping it. The showroom look, it, it looks clean enough. No. It ain't showroom clean, you know. Yeah. You don't show our people what it's supposed to look like. They're never yeah. going to figure that. So I think that trend, their work at the transfer to that fire service and everything else, then transfer to the other blessings outside of just fires and and this where we are now. And so it kind of reinforces the attitude of work the process. And no matter what the process touches, be successful. You roll the biscuits or will be. You know, or whether and or well, unless unless whooping big you hit whooping big head boys like us as mom here growing up, that was a process. You know, uh, PTSD, but still okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, um, but I want to say um, I appreciate you coming on. I do want to do a part two because I know one thing about you: you're ever evolving. In thoughts and perfection. Mm-hmm. And continue mm-hmm. to share on that tip. And um, I can't wait to get us down there to uh, to help share our message with you guys. We're going to do it. By the time uh, I'm on my way to uh, the uh, Black Chief Officers um, Conference in Fort Lauderdale, and we're going to uh, do a presentation down there. So I'm still on the road, not as much because I had to kind of adjust the schedule to the new career change but more nonetheless we're doing that we're going to be uh, we're going to be in different places to the end of the year so i'm looking always not only looking forward to doing my job which i'm blessed to still be able to do but also to share it and network with people like yourself chief so i appreciate you uh, coming on um i appreciate people who tuning in um and looking forward to how things evolve um post bobby halton because he was a very Good close friend and uh, super men. And uh, the weird thing he taught me is that, and, and people who learn this in the firehouse, I never, you know, if I fell out with somebody, or we had the disagreement, then you were just dead to me. And I had to learn how to overcome that. And Bobby taught me, you know, we could be two different areas, spectrum from, uh, from the social to whatever. But we could still love each other. He was, you know, love you, brother. And uh, so I learned a lot in that regard, talking about things you learn from people. You know, that's helped make me a better person and want to continue this legacy and him helping Usher, giving David and I a chance to uh, operate on this level of the fire service. So, uh, but thank you, thank you for for being on. We're going to. Um, I uh, have another great show after this, 
And um, I got another couple of more great guests in line. So uh, tune in. I kind of like this format to where we were able to talk for, because for a long time we were just kind of talking. You just hear the voice, but now you um, sexy Dave, you know, and sometimes you see. So, um, so and now we, now we got sexy Scott. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. It's hard to be smart and good looking. It's just hard, ain't it, Scott? I'm gonna stop for your pain, dog. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. So, so you just gonna leave me out of it all together, huh? Because yeah. when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. Been hearing that for years, you know. Oh, no, but, so. We didn't know what it meant. We were, we were, we were, we were nine, but now we know. That's all the reason you went to the fire service. You know? Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, uh, tune in, find out where we are, um, um, and coming up next month. Um, those of you who submitted for FDIC will find out what's up. And um, if, 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 you know, you didn't get lucky enough to uh, get picked, it really is not a reflection on your submission. It's just there are only so many slots and then there's a matrix on how many of these type of classes and stuff like that. So we tell people just, just keep, keep submitting. Keep trying. And like I said, by me being on the panel, I'm gonna guarantee this. I'm, I'm gonna do something tonight when we hang up, and uh, just to, I'm gonna give you the fair shake that you deserve. And, uh, we're grateful that you did, and the conference wouldn't be what it is without the training. And, and so it's it's all important to me. So I'm going to give it that that, that attention that it deserves. So uh, so anyway, I'm going to get to work on that. We'll see you in seven weeks for our next show. And uh, and then keep tuning in. You never know when we're going to get sexy Scott Thompson back on the show. <laughs> I want to hear about the Mo Davis stuff down there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's it. We'll talk to you later. Check us out, www.glutenationldc.com. See where Dave and Larry are in the world. And we'll see you next time on the Larry County. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good night.